Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those in our South campus, those in our atrium. It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day to be in church. You know, I'd like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the guy that went into his boss's office and said, hey, he said, I want a 5% raise because I have three companies that are after me. The boss was kind of surprised. He said, well, okay, okay, and gave him the raise. He got up and went to walk out the door. He said, well, by the way, what three companies are after you? He said, the electric company, the water company, and the gas company. I think maybe all of us have been there at some point in our lives. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Made for Monday. Made for Monday. This series is about uh, embracing God's perspective on work. You know, so many times I hear people, oh, thank God it's Friday. And so they do. They thank God it's Friday, but they dread Monday. Over this series, I want to open up your eyes and to see that God has a purpose for you on Monday, and that Monday can be one of the best days of your week. And it's not common for people to think like that. In fact, the Princeton Management uh, Company did a survey and discovered that 82% of us uh, do not like our job. I thought, wow, they need to come to Stevens Creek. Uh, because we're going to do better than that for sure. But let me ask you a question. If, if 82% of Americans don't like their job, and then we know that we spend 40% of our lives at work, I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, what's wrong with that? Do you think it is God's will for you to dread 40% of your life? Do you think that it's God's will for you to dread of your life, when Jesus himself said, I have come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. So I am asking God to transform us, to transform the way we think about work, the way we approach work, and the way we do our jobs. Now, speaking of jobs, some of you have jobs that you absolutely love, and some of you have jobs that you dream of that maybe one day I could do that. It's kind of interesting over the last 20 years to see Mike Rowe approach his jobs. He has a reality program called Dirtiest Jobs, and what he has done is uh, he has interviewed over 300 different people that have dirty jobs. Recently, Parade Magazine uh, asked Mike, said, what are the top five dirtiest jobs uh, that you have been on? He said, well, the number one dirtiest job is a sewer inspector. Can you imagine being a sewer inspector going there? He said, number two is a snake regurgitator. Now, what is a snake regurgitator? This is where they go out and they capture snakes and they grab it and squeeze the snake to the point that it vomits. And then you study the vomit to see the eating habits of a snake. He said, it's pretty gross. The third thing is a cow inseminator. I'll let you figure that one out. And then there's a concrete chipper. This is when 
uh, you go inside of a concrete truck, and after concrete is set for a while, it gets hard, and you have to chip it off the sides of the truck. Now, it's in a confined location there, and he's, uh, the one on the video, the guy, it took him three days inside of that thing to clean all the concrete out. And then the fifth and the one that I do not want to do is a shark suit tester that you put on a suit that will protect you from shark bites, but you got to figure out if the suit works. <laughs> not me. I know it's hard to believe, but, but your job is a part of God's plan for your life. Your job is a part of God's plan for your life. In Psalm chapter 104, uh, the writer eloquently explains how God's hand is behind everything. He's behind the solar orbit, to the growth of trees, to the birds nesting. And in the 23rd verse of that psalm, it says that God's hand even is behind your work. So then the people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. And I realize that some of you are saying, Pastor Marty, I don't see God's hand behind my work. In fact, I believe that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he fell into my department. (laughs) I hope not. But I realize that so many people don't see their work as a spiritual place. But if you study the Bible, God never really separates sacred work Um, from secular work. But all the work is sacred in God's eyes. I want you to consider that, that God has created you and God has given you this opportunity to work. I want you to enjoy your work. Your life is too important to waste it on a job that you hate. Let that sink in for a minute. Your life is just too important to waste your life on a job that you hate. And I just want to be very clear that meaning in life, meaning matters more than money. And so many times we we have it the other way, that we feel like that money will bring meaning, but true meaning, go after that, then let the money uh, come after, follow you. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about five purposes of work, because Uh, God is orchestrating, God has created us. And so very simply, I think there are five uh, purposes that he's given us for work. The very first one is this. I work in order to live. Now, these are simple statements, but they're, they're wrapped with meaning. I work in order to live. I work to meet my needs. That's the principle of necessity. It's the most basic reason that you get up out of bed and you go to your job. And when we think about this, we see the importance of it because we're responsible to take care of of people in our lives. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12 and 11 says, those who work the land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. In other words, the one who stays at the job, the one who works hard has food on the table. I work out of necessity. The Bible says not only do we work to provide of ourselves, but we have this responsibility to provide for our family, especially our immediate families. That's our responsibility. It is not 
the government's responsibility to take care of our family. If you have the ability to work, then there is something very dignified about going to work. If you have that ability, I believe that that's a, a, the very foundation, the pur- first purpose of work. I said there's five. Here's the second purpose. I work in order to find my identity. Now, I'm going to drill down on this one because I really feel like that so many of us are, we find our identity in our work. And we have to be careful with that because, you see, seasons come and seasons go. And you may have that job for a season, and then there may be a downturn. They may, there may be a, a situation that develops, maybe an accident or so, and you're not in that. And if your identity is found in that, there's a problem. So let's talk about that. I work in order to find my identity. I believe that God uses, God has shaped you in a unique way, and that from that you find your identity, not in some task that you do. I've taught this before, but we're going to go deeper into this. Let's take the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, and what we see is we can find our identity, God's identity for us in our shape. The first one, the S stands for, it's an acrostic, the S stands for spiritual gifts. God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is this. It is a special supernatural ability that God gives us to advance his purposes in this world. I believe that everyone who accepts Christ as Savior receives one. For most of us, when we see this gift, we know it. We have this feeling inside of us, and we do that thing. And you know what? I was made for this. When you do that, whatever that thing is, you walk away saying, you know what? I can do that. I was made. We have this sense of fulfillment. We have this sense of pleasure And we just had this sense of confidence. I was made for this because God has wired us. I'll never forget my first job um, as a teenager was at a store called Kmart. Now, Kmart, most of you have never heard of Kmart unless you're over 40. So how many people have ever heard of Kmart? Okay. Got some Kmart folks here. Uh, Walmart basically put them out of business, okay? Okay. But back in the day, I worked at Kmart. Do you remember what Kmart was famous for? I want, you don't have to, you know, the blue light special. And so my first job was in the garden shop. And so I'm doing loading fertilizer and so forth until then the blue light comes out here, out to the garden shop and they give me the microphone and they say, Marty, you've got to do a blue light special. And so the next thing I know, I'm saying, good afternoon, Kmart shoppers. That blue light is now flashing in our garden shop where you have 10, 10, 10 fertilizer that was $5. But for the next 10 minutes while the blue light's flashing, you can get it for $2.50. And as always, thank you for shopping here at Kmart. And so I started doing that. And then other departments heard me do the spill for fertilizer, and so I am doing the spill at all other departments around the store. I am the blue light special guy. And people would come up to me and say, have you ever thought about being in radio? 
And they would talk to me about that. And, and the interesting thing is just probably about 18 months or, or two years before I went to work at Kmart, I felt called to preach. And God was using that job, that secular job, to confirm a spiritual calling that I had the, the ability to talk in front of people, the spiritual gifts. What do we know about spiritual gifts? First Peter chapter 4 says, each one of us should use whatever gift, whatever gift he has to serve others. We're to use our spiritual gifts to serve other people. Now, we're talking about finding our identity, and we're looking at the acrostic of shape to see if, we, if our identity will come to the forefront. So S is for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart. When I think about this word, I think about the word passion. What, are you, uh, what do you have a heart for? What are you passionate about? I hope you're a follower of Christ because I believe that as a follower of Christ, you should be passionate about Christ and his church. Passion is so important. Uh, It may be a passion, uh, may be on your job. You have a passion for what you do. Or you may work to gain a living so that you can fund the passion that you have uh, outside of that work. And so there's something that you need to understand, that your career is what you are paid for. Your calling is what you are made for. Okay? Your career is what you're paid for. Your calling is what you are made for. So I'm thinking about calling today. And when we think about calling, there are two specific types of calling. There is a primary calling. That is that you're called to faith in Jesus Christ. You're called to faith in Jesus Christ. You're called to be in the fellowship of Jesus. uh, And that's what really truly matters. That's your primary calling. Your, Your secondary calling... May be your career. It may be the talents and abilities that you you use. What you, your career is what you're paid for. Your calling is what you're made for. And so you ask yourself, what kind of passions do I have? Think about that just for a moment. What are you passionate about? What do you really want to do? And so just think about that and just move toward that. So we're talking about the word shape, uh, spiritual gifts, heart. Uh, stands for passions, and then A would be abilities. You have natural talents, and you have natural abilities. Each one of us are different. So many times, the natural talents or abilities start to come to the forefront when you're a young child. For instance, let's say that you're with a group of 10-year-old boys and you're out on the playground and you gather this group of 10-year-old boys and you, see, you say, you see that flagpole over there? We're going to have a race to the flagpole. And you say, on the mark, get set, go. And they start to run. And all the boys are running together except there's one child that outpaces all of them and gets to the flagpole pole first before anybody else is even close. And you think, wow, he must have been training as a, a runner. He must have been listening, lifting weights. No, not at all. He's 10 years old. But what we know is God made that kid fast. God made that child quick. 
He has this natural gift and this natural ability to run. I believe that you have natural abilities, that, that some of you have these abilities with your hands, that you can take um, a piece of wood and you can do wonders with wood, or maybe you can take pipe and you can do wonders with pipe, or you have this ability uh, with numbers and you can put numbers together and make the numbers. Well, you have this natural ability. Uh, my wife, Patty, has this natural ability with colors. She can put colors together and make different colors come work together. So you have those talents too. It may not be colors, but it may be something. I, I was watching uh, our drummer today. Our drummer today at Augusta campus is Mark Outlaw. Uh, Greg Axon is playing at Grovetown, and Charles Garrett is playing at our South Campus. And so as you watch our drummers today, know this, that these guys, these three guys, they have rhythm. They have a natural talent, a natural ability uh, with rhythm. There's a lot of you that you play air drums. But just because you play air drums doesn't mean that you'll be on stage at Stevens Creek. You've got to have more than air drums. You've got to know how to play. You've got to have rhythm. Todd has never asked me to play drums because I don't have rhythm. I don't have rhythm. And so you start to look at natural talents and natural abilities. So what are you good at? What are you naturally that when you do that and other people say, man, I don't know how you do that. And you think, ah, oh, it's nothing. I just do it. It becomes so natural to you. So we're talking about your shape. Because we're trying to discover your identity. A stands for abilities. P would be your personality. God has given you a specific personality. Maybe you're introverted. Maybe you're extroverted. Maybe you're the life of the party. Maybe you're very intuitive. Or you sense things. How do you make decisions? Now, when you make a decision, are you the one, the logical kind that may, you have two columns and you write out all the pros and you write out all the cons and you kind of work yourself through it through some type of um, system? Or maybe do you feel your way through it? You have this intuition that, that you're able to read the room and you are able to feel and to sense what needs to be done. How do you structure your life? Do you prefer processes or do you want just outcomes? Just give me the outcomes. I don't care how you get it. I just want this outcome. You figure out the rest. We're all different. And one personality is not right and the other personality is, uh, is wrong. We're just different. When we look in the Bible, we'll see Peter and Andrew in the New Testament are our two brothers. And both of these brothers have the gift of evangelism. Peter evangelized with large groups. He stood up on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. So he would, he would speak before large groups. But his brother Andrew was more comfortable in small groups. And so both of them were used with their gifts and their personality. Every time you see Andrew in the Gospel of John, he is bringing an individual or a small group of people to Jesus. The point is, God is going to use you how he wired you. You don't have to be anybody else. I want you to understand your identity 
and I want you to, to stay in your lane. I want you to be the person that God's called you to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Sure, we can learn from other people and that we can be mentored by other people, but the bottom line is that you're unique, you're special, you're gifted, you're talented, and God's going to use you. Don't try to be who you're not. If you're always trying to be somebody else, you're never going to really experience the joy of being used by the Lord. Finally, he's going to use your experiences, all those things that you've been through, all those things he's going to use for your purposes. God's going to use all the good things that you've done in your life and or, or even all the, the bad experiences that you've had. Because I believe that whether it's good or bad, God can, uh, if it's bad, God can bring something good out of that. So all of those experiences are not wasted. Even the failures in your life are not wasted. Some of you have been involved in the marketplace and the economy, and you've seen the market turn around, and you've seen downsizing, and, and maybe you worked at one place, and all of a sudden they closed, and now you don't have a job. And now you're doing something that you're not trained to do. But you're doing it because that need to have a, a food on the table. God can take even negative situations like that and turn them around and bring something good out of it. And so understand that those experiences, even though they have been like it felt like a setback, they felt... Uh, miserable in your life, God can use that because God's going to turn it around and bring something good out of that. Now, that was a long point to, to, uh, to focus on our five purposes. That was purpose number two. I work in order to find my identity, um, and understanding my shape helps me find my identity. Now, here's the third purpose we're talking about today. I work in order to develop my character. I work in order to develop my character. God uses your work and your workplace to help grow you up, to develop you. He's far more concerned with who you are than he is with what you do. He's trying to build you up from the inside out. He's more concerned about your character than he is your career. And your workplace becomes this testing ground. It's a life course in character development. Now, don't raise your hands on this question, but do any of you have a boss that drives you crazy? Okay? A couple of you. Think about it this way. Do you know that God can use a boss that drives you crazy? God can use a boss that he can use a a workplace that you're unhappy in to help grow your character and to help give you strength and help give you stamina. God wants you to be strong. In fact, the New Testament says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And oftentimes we gain our strength by going through difficult times so that the next time that we go through something difficult, we will have the experience of the previous time and they will get through that better. The point is, while you're working on the job, God is working on you. While you're working on the job, God is working on you. He's using that work to develop your character. Here's the fourth purpose. 
I work in order to share the good news. I work in order to share the good news. My work can be a witness. God expects us and our work habits to validate his message. Listen to the words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11 and 12. It says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so you will not be dependent on anybody. That your work would win the respect of other people. And so we have this opportunity on the job. And I'm not telling you to carry signs, and I'm not carrying, telling you to beat people over the head with the Bible, but I am saying that your life may be the only sermon that some people on your job will ever hear or ever see. And they're watching you. They're watching how you handle adversity. They're, they're watching how you handle when people mistreat you, and they're taking notice. And you are witnessing to them by your response. And so even though you may not feel like you can share your faith publicly at work, you can share your faith by living it out. Know this, that you are God's light in the community. And light always shines in the darkest rooms. And some of you feel like you're working in some very dark places. I just want you to be the light. Be the light and let the light that shines through you dispel the darkness that is hovering over your your workplace. Here's the fifth and final purpose. We're talking about five purposes, the purposes of work. Uh, I work in order to help other people. I work in order to help other people, to help make a difference. You know, when we are on our job, we're, we're helping people. Maybe it's helping our coworkers. Maybe it's helping our clients. But we're there to help people. And if you'll focus on serving other people, I don't think you'll ever go without a job. So many times people go into jobs and they go into a job with this entitlement attitude. What can I get for me? But if we can turn that around and we can look at our place of employment and say, how can I serve other people? How can I help people? Uh, Then it will open the door for us to uh, understand our purpose in a greater way. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 says, a generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes others will be refreshed. So we're there to help others. I've said this over the last several weeks that Stevens Creek Church and the Dream Center We are volunteer intensive organizations, and we gather together to help people along the way. When you serve, you're making a difference in the community, and you're making a difference in eternity. Several years ago, Eric Saminger, who was the president at that time of Adidas, a German uh, sports company, picked up the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. After reading the book, he made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to make him the Lord of his life. That book so challenged his, his uh, life and thinking that he uh, sent Rick Warren a note and said, I want to uh, meet you. I'll meet you anywhere, anytime in the world. You just tell me and I'll be there. And Rick Warren said, I'll, I'll talk to you after church next week. 
And so Eric Staminger drove, uh, flew from Germany to Southern California and went to service at Saddleback. And after service, he had a conversation. He was so uh, touched by uh, the work of the Lord in his life that he's, he was ready to resign from Adidas and pastor a church. And he said, now that I'm a Christian, he said to Rick, should I quit my job and become a pastor? Rick looked into his eyes and said, that is the dumbest thing that I have ever heard. You know, the CEO of Adidas probably has never had anybody to say, you just said the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. But he went on, Warren went on to say that you could keep your position and use it as an influence for Christ. You need to use your, your office as a way to pray for people around you. To show them how to live, to be available to them, to, to start instituting good Christian principles in your business. And to start influencing other CEOs for Jesus. He said, in fact, if you'll do this, your, law, your audience will be um, one of the largest audiences of anyone. It'll be like the, a mega church of employees. And you start praying for them and being available for them, you'll make a difference. And he said, your work is more than about making money. And that's what I want you to hear today. You're made for Mondays. But your work is more than about money. This past week, as I'm going through my daily Bible reading, I, I started the book of Judges. And on Friday, as I'm reading the book of Judges, chapter 6, it tells me the story of Gideon. Now, Gideon was at work. He was working with the grain in the wine press. And while he was at work one day, an angel of the Lord appeared to him while he was on the job. And the angel of the Lord looked at Gideon and said, you are a mighty warrior. He said, wait a minute, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm from the smallest clan and I am the weakest of the weak. But that angel was speaking not how he saw himself, Gideon saw himself, but how God viewed him. And he said, no, I want you, I want you to go against the people of Midian and I want you to stand uh, for the people of Israel. So he gathered and defend the people of Israel. He gathered a group of people from Israel to defend their, their country from the Midianites. The interesting thing about that, he said, again, I can't do this. In verse 14, you know, have you ever read a, a verse that just kind of like would leap off the page? Listen to verse 14. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, I want you to go in the strength that you have and save Israel. That's what I'm saying to you. Could it be that's what the Lord is saying to you? I want you to go in the strength that you have. Some of you are so overwhelmed with the pressures of your job, with the pressures of your family, and you feel like that you cannot go on. You cannot take a step forward. You're just worn out. You're just tired. But God is speaking to you. And he's saying, take that step 
and do what you can do. I want you to go in the strength that you have. You take that step, you do the possible, and then God will give you the power to take the second step and do the impossible. You read Judges chapter 6 and then 7 and 8. In verse, uh, chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Gideon and his 300 men, they were exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. And as I read that, I thought about some of you. Some of you feel exhausted. But you're still in the game. Exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit. Over the next few minutes, I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over you to give you the confidence and the faith that you can step forward and you can do this in the strength that you have. That God is going to supernaturally give you the abilities, the insight, the wisdom to navigate this problem, to navigate this situation, to help lead in this crisis. You're going to go in the strength that you have, and God is going to anoint you. He's going to anoint you with his power. He's going to anoint you with his strength. And you're going to be able to do those things that you never dreamed possible. Because it is not you that is doing it, but it is the power of God that is working in you and through you. So hear me today. Receive the strength from the Lord. And I realize some of you, you have been in the fight. You have been in uh, this process for a long time, and you feel exhausted. You're saying, Pastor Marty, I just can't go on another day. I am weighted down by this financial crisis. I'm weighted down by this health issue. I'm weighted down by this problem at work. I'm exhausted. I am praying that God will lift the burden. I am praying today for you that God will restore your joy and that you will understand that the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's concerned about your work and how you're handling it. And some of the greatest workers that we have at Stevens Creek Church are the workers that take care of their kids on a day-by-day uh, day basis, the moms and the dads in this room. And you feel that burden of raising that toddler or that middle school, or that elementary or that middle schooler. You feel the burden of, of leading that high schooler. You feel the burden of that trying to manage that college student. I feel that. And I would say, I, you've never been this place before. You've never had a middle school student before, but you've got them now. I want you to do what you can do. I want you to go in the strength that you have. I want you to receive what God has for you. So with that in mind, and with a heart open to receive from the Lord, I want you to stand and let's pray. In Grovetown, let's stand. In South Campus, let's stand. And let's open our hearts to the Lord. I really feel like... This is the most important part of the sermon or the whole service thus far. This is it. This is the most important part. This is the moment 
This is the moment that you're going to open your heart. And you're going to cry out to the Lord and say, God, I need help here. I need strength. You're asking me to step out, but I need strength. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray, God, that you would allow your presence to come and to rest on us. I pray over people as they lead their homes and they lead their families. God, I ask that you'd give them wisdom and strength. And so, first of all, I pray for the peace of their household. God, for those individuals that are are struggling at home, maybe there's tension between the siblings, and maybe there's tension between uh, son and, and daughter, mom and dad. God, come. I pray over these families here today. I pray, God, that you would speak peace. And we push back the darkness that would be attacking your family. And we declare that nobody but Jesus is going to run your family. We declare that Jesus is the Lord of your family. Father, I pray not only over the families, but I pray over uh, the workplaces, the careers. I pray over the classrooms. God, come and move. Lord, there are people here that are struggling to make decisions. They're trying to figure out their next step. They're trying to figure out their next move. They're trying to figure out their calling. God, I ask that you would make it clear that you would confirm what you have done, what you've called in them. And I ask, God, that you would anoint them with the power from on high. God, let your anointing touch them. That they would be the best teacher in the school system. Let your anointing touch them. That they would be the best worker in the um, in the store, or they would be the best engineer uh, at the plant. God, that you would anoint them, that they would be the best salesman in the marketplace. God, let them be the, the best person in the medical practice or at the hospital. God, anoint them with your power and your spirit. And God, to those who are weak and who are exhausted, I ask God that you'd give us strength. And so, Lord, today, we receive your strength. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we have prayed for our peace in our families, and we prayed for peace at work, today, we want to follow the Scriptures, and we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Father, that's in your Word, that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem Right now, Lord, Jerusalem is not at peace. Right now, there is a war going on. And so, Father, we, as your church, we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, that you would bring a quick resolution to this conflict. Father, that you would touch the people that have lost loved ones just in the last two days. And that, God, that you would restore that city and you would restore that country. We pray this in sincerity and in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. 
see you next time.